The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Ray Elvis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I apologize. I, again, uh, got a couple of things I got to take care of here and got to take care of myself before I can take care of this business. Uh, but uh, certainly I'm trying to get that all together. And so I apologize for the late start here. Uh, what matters to me? What matters to me, of course, is I'm going to keep it real. It's not happy holidays. It's not happy any of that other stuff other than for me. It's Merry Christmas. And so for all of you out there who who celebrate Christmas, I want to say Merry Christmas to you. To those of you who do not celebrate Christmas as a holiday, uh, I I welcome you to one day to try it. And uh, you, those of you know what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus Christ for us, his birth. And uh, if it wasn't for him, boy, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm, I'm happy about that. So I'm going to say Merry Christmas to all. Uh, I'm looking here in the studio, and I'm looking at the uh, the little one of those little gadget gadgets there I got in front of me. I got a control, and there's no buttons on it, <laughs> so I guess uh, I won't be controlling much inside uh, this studio today. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today, man. It, it, you know, we got we got four quarterbacks in the National Football League, of which three of them are doing a damn good job, and one of them is just doing a great job. I just got to put it the way I feel about it. Cam Newton is doing things that we've never seen from the quarterback position ever. And uh, why? Um, I really, it's just amazing. You know, whenever somebody does something for the first time, it doesn't mean that it can't be done. It just simply means that it's been done for the first time. Records will be broken. Perhaps maybe somebody will outperform um, the way Cam has been performing these last few weeks. But I certainly want to bring on my good friend and uh, mentor, as I always tell everybody, uh, Henry Clay is going to be joining him. I think Henry's on now. Henry, how you doing there? Good afternoon. Well, how are you? Or, yeah, it's good afternoon. Yeah, it is for <laughs> it is for me. I know it. Uh, it's a uh, it's a little late uh, a late afternoon for you guys out there. It's uh, at the four o'clock hour, and uh, we're mid afternoon here. But uh, uh, it's a good time to talk football. It's, it's Christmas time, as I already uh, already greeted everybody and wished them a merry Christmas and a happy New Year. Want to do the same to you. Uh, but the Christmas. Ah, uh, coming into Christmas this week for the Eagles just is not going to be what we expected last week. I mean, you're on a great roll, and all of a sudden, a big hiccup in the road there. What, what happened last week, Henry? It's called a train wreck. Wow. So we're, let me ask you something. On that train wreck, was that unexpected? Was somebody asleep at the wheel? Uh, the engineer? What did he? No. Oh. I, to give credit where credit's due. The Arizona Cardinals came to town and exposed every flaw in the Eagles' armor on offense and defense. Yeah, but Henry, I will say this. You know, the Arizona Cardinals, they, you, you're exactly right. But were they the benefit of watching the Eagles take apart a couple teams that nobody thought that they were able to? And as a result of that, then they saw perhaps maybe how those teams, uh, you know, underprepared or perhaps maybe just took the Eagles for granted. You know, there, was there something that they that they did that the Cardinals felt that uh, they didn't do enough of it? So we're going to go back and we're going to do more of it. Or was it a talent thing, really? I mean, did it really break down to, you know, mano on mano and the Arizona talent was much better than the Eagles' talent? It comes down to that. The Eagles are not a talented football team. And the two games that you were making reference to, uh, I will go back to a conversation I had with, and he was here when you were playing with the Eagles, John Chaney, the coach of the Temple Basketball Owls. Yes. 
we were at the NCAA tournament out in Boise, Idaho, and it was snowing so bad you couldn't think about going out of the hotel, so everybody just hung out there. And we were sitting around talking to John, and one of the questions that I asked him was, well, how do you keep these these people focused? John said, you can't. You build them up to such a high, high level, and at some point, they cannot stand that, and then they crumble. And, of course, the Temple lost the next game out there. I think the Eagles were so high off of the two wins, uh, New England and Buffalo, that the reality set in, and, they, and the, all of the energy and what have you that they had put into those uh, two games, which would have been needed to uh, take on the Cardinals, wasn't there. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, John Cheney, and just a great coach, you know, and, I, and I, I remember with John Cheney, there was two things that John Cheney said that I've never forgot. And as soon as I, uh, I was able to experience them, I applied them to my life. And that was, I could have gone anywhere, and I chose Temple. That was one of those billboards that, you, you know, you could have gone anywhere and chose Temple. And, and it was just one of those things you just never forget, you know, because when you have that choice, those people that are involved with that choice should be able to appreciate the fact that you had options and you chose them and they should appreciate it and you should pre- appreciate it. The other thing that John said to me is that winning, he didn't say it to me, he said it to the world, winning is an attitude. Hello. Winning is an attitude and, and an attitude doesn't get tired. An attitude, see, I mean, sometimes, you know, we got this thing, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later on, too, Henry. We got this thing going on about, of course, the, the brain and concussions. But the attitude, the, the attitude to me is all about how you're going to attack. Are you going to attack this with everything that you have, that you want to, that you expect to get out of it? Are you going to leave everything out on the field, everything in the classroom, everything on your way there? I mean, when you are consumed with winning, it's an ad- and it shows. And, and that's what I believe sometimes that when guys show up on the football field, the attitude is not apparent that they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. Because you can, you know, th- there's always these games where just the other day, again, I-, I think it was maybe the Giants came back to what was the, the, the most amount of points in history. 20, 28 yeah. points, 28 points, 20. and, and they came back. Yeah. So, so, so I, I don't care until the game is over. If there's still enough time on the clock mathematically to score, and to tie the game up or to go ahead, people should not be giving up. Fans in the stands should not be leaving. I've been a part of one of those games before with the Jets and the Browns. I, I know that. So I, I just think this whole thing with the Philadelphia Eagles is an attitude. I, I'm, I'm going to also step this way. I'm going to go as far as say is it may, it's a lot of it has to do with Chip Kelly, but more of it has to do with the players as well. we got to hold the players accountable. Yeah, well, we'll address that for a second and. Um, I know you're coming up on a break, but... Um, we're going to skip that break because we got Keith on hold uh, from Philadelphia there, too. And so we're going to go right on, Henry. So you go right ahead. We'll skip this break, and we'll catch it at the bottom of the, of the hour. Your uh, Philadelphia Eagles, before you arrived here, played a game in Minnesota, the final game of the season, and it was snowing. It was a blizzard. The Eagles had 27 nothing going into the middle of the third quarter, the reason that it was 27 nothing, Tony Franklin had missed a point after, uh, after a touchdown. Fran Tarkinson called the uh, team into a huddle on the sideline in the old stadium. And it, again, it was cold. It was, it was a miserable afternoon. Well, Fran Tarkinson brought the team back in a half, a quarter and a half from a 27 nothing deficit, and they won the game 27, uh, 28-27. Well, let, let me just say this, Henry. There was another one of those Minnesota Viking games that I participated in in Philadelphia. It's, for some reason, I don't care if, it's, if we're playing the Vikings, it's cold whether it's in Philly or whether it's in Minnesota. Maybe they bring that cold weather with them. Uh, but certainly uh, I was on the losing end of one of those great comebacks by the Minnesota Vikings, and they had a guy by the name of Anthony Carter. 
uh, which I remember him from that state up north, you know, that I played against during my college days. And they came back on us in the end of the uh, fourth quarter, and they were down by at least 21 points. And and I remember we made some mental mistakes. That's the bottom line. I'm not going to say I did, but we did as a team. We made we made mental mistakes. And again, that's the whole attitude about how are you going to prepare for a game? Are you into your playbook? Are you watching films? Are you communicating with your with your teammates? And all all that goes into a successful team. No, everybody will tell you when they win a championship, or when they go to make it to a Super Bowl or or, or to a championship game. You will find out that throughout the year, it was just a chemistry that they've that they've never experienced. It's like when athletes talk about being in a zone. The team is in a zone, and and that's what happens. When teams win, it, they just look like that. You look at Cam Newton, you look at his, his, at his team, the way they're performing now. They're undefeated. Now, I don't know why we're taking everything from them, but I'm going to bring Keith in here for a second. Now, Keith, uh, how you doing there, man? Haven't talked to you in a while. I appreciate Keith's a, a friend of the show and uh, want to welcome him. Keith, you got something to say about your Philadelphia Eagles before I started really going on a rant about Cam Newton? Hey, you doing? Yeah, please don't call him <laughs> a rant about hell. Um, yeah, actually, I... Wanted to talk to you before the game, but now I'll do it after the game. Uh, obviously, this was an opportunity for Philadelphia to kind of, once again, just like last year, test itself against one of the better teams to see exactly where they are. It was a you know measure the bar type of game, and uh, unfortunately, once again, I mean Philadelphia still has a ways to go. A lot of the things you're talking about, attitude, player performances, um, and Chip. Um, how he gets a team ready. He's still, unfortunately, still too much in the college mode. I don't think he's made the transition that he needs to make, that his coaches need to make, to get a pro team ready week in, week out for 16 weeks. Uh, they did it for a couple of weeks, but there's still something missing in their chemistry that they are not able to get across. And some of it is the players, too. Uh, Can I jump in here and ask Keith a question? Sure, go right ahead there, Henry. Uh, Keith, did you see the uh, poll that the uh, Daily News ran last night about uh, the assistant coaches um, on their no, website? Not. Well, I saw the uh, the offensive one was gone by the time I woke up this morning, okay. but the defensive one they had just put up. Well, the the fans voted that uh, Bill Davis should be removed from the. Uh, coaching ranks here, 1,068, 1068 to 93. <laughs> okay. That's, wow. Uh, I was listening on the radio yesterday. They were doing the poll on the radio show. That's what I heard. Hey, you guys, yeah. now, I got, I, listen, I got two seasoned football men on this phone, one who does it for a profession, and the other who is just, his heart is just locked in, into, you know, the, the community and the sports teams there in Philadelphia. And, of course, that's Keith and, and Henry. Uh, you know, you do this for a living. But, guys, really, we, I mean, we can't get to the point now where we really start letting the fan. I mean, they have an opinion, and, and they can get up out their seats like they did but I don't think we're going to turn to the point where Jeffrey Lurie is actually going to pay attention to what the fans are saying in terms of who he lets go. Do you, do you really think, Henry, that's a possibility that he's going to say, hey, the fans said the man's got to go, he's got to go? I don't think that's going to happen. Well, if you I think he's going anyway. Let me first of all say that, Henry. I, I think he's got to, you know, somebody's got to go. They got to make, somebody's got to be a scapegoat. If Chip doesn't go, he's got to let somebody, he's got to have some. I, I think Chip stays. Guy. I think Chip stays. And they take away the general manager uh, part of his job, and the assistants all go. Oh, you think he's going to get rid of – wait, so he's no longer going to be the GM. Keith, I want you to hear this and respond when I finish yeah. this. The GM title is going to be taken from Chip, and, and then all of his assistants are going to be gone, which means that a new GM would come in and bring a staff with him or hire a staff. Keith, is well, that what they, you think? They have a cold quote, quote, a co-GM in the part of Harry Roseman. He's still in the organization. Yeah, but Chip's making all the calls. That is, and they have that not gone very well, have they? No, they haven't. No, they haven't. So, Keith, do you think, uh, do you think that's what, what Henry explained there? You think that's going to happen? I think that, unfortunately, that's going to be the difficult thing. It has to happen 
but how Chip responds to having that GM title pulled from him is is, is a wild card. But he is, um, it has to happen. Uh, the Sixers have done something very similar to that just recently, just kind of segueing, when they brought in Coangelo yes. um, from Phoenix because they realized they needed a basketball GM. Well, we need a football GM. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you. There's no doubt about it. I, you know, I really, for the life of me, I, here's what I would like to understand is I would understand. And this could have something to do with, with Jeffrey's experience in the business himself is why would you want to bring in a person from the collegiate level who's never had any professional experience and give him the keys to the Ferrari? I mean, come on, really? I mean, let's let him gain some experience and actually earn the right to be the GM and the head coach as opposed to just giving him the keys. And, and, and I think that was part of the mistake. Henry, what do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's obvious that he did not know or he did not have the people around him from day one to be the general manager. I'm not talking about the guys on the field. I'm talking about Joe somebody who scouts players and scouts colleges in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm talking about somebody who goes to little towns in Montana. Yes. And finds players. Yes. I, I, I have don't a... have that. You don't walk right in and get those people off the street. They just, you have to interview them. You have to see what expertise they bring. Are they an offensive scout, a defensive scout? And you walk in and say, I'm the general manager. Now, hey, those things, most general managers have been in a general manager setting for at least three, four, five years before they step up to general manager positions. It, it sounds to me... I'm the general manager after, it, what, yeah, a year it, on the job? Yeah, it, here's what it sounds like to me, Henry. It really sounds like to me that Chip Kelly arrived, had somewhat success his first year in the league, you know, it wasn't lights out, but he had a little success. He won some games. Let's say that. I think it was a thing where he started thinking, you know, hey, this isn't that that hard at all. You know, just looking around and understanding that perhaps maybe there was a couple pieces to the puzzle that was missing that he thought if he was in a position to be calling the shots, he could add those pieces. I don't think he totally understood the obligation and the responsibility of the job. I just, that's what I just think from a distance. I just don't really think that's two jobs. That's a general manager and a head coach in the national football. That's two jobs. And you want to take on that as one individual and you want to carry those titles. You got to do the jobs of those two people. And, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, nowadays, uh, you know, with the uh, Moneyball or whatever the hell that movie was out there now and, 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 and football being more, uh, you know, the decisions are, are so many analytics are involved in the decision. I mean, you take all the numbers, all the information, you, you put it down, you look at it, you change it, you look at it again, get somebody else. in. I mean, you, there's so many different responsibilities you have and, and how you have to run that team. And, and then the numbers, too. I mean, you got to be the guy, the salary cap numbers. You got to master the salary cap, too. I, Keith, you, you got to help me understand that. I mean, it, we, 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 we had Joe Banner, who we thought was one of the geniuses when it came to the salary cap. Now you got Chip Kelly, who thinks he's mastered that as well. We, we got problems, man. It might be ego. That, it might be ego. <laughs> is, is that it? Ego has, a bit, ego has a lot to do with it, I think, Chip. I think you're right. Chip kind of thought it was an easier thing than it really is. You're on the outside looking in. Um, probably the last person in Philly who was able to kind of do that, and I don't think he did it in Philly, I think he did it in Seattle, was Mike McCormick. Yes. Who was a great coach, but also had GM skills. And, and those are years. Out. You're going back years, Keith, when you go back to Mike McCormick. That's years, decades. That's when and, I started. Uh, Henry, I think you probably would... would Agree with me. I mean, that's probably one of the rare single people who have that kind of double blend. Henry, Henry let me Absolutely. ask you a question. Henry, you guys are in there. You, you, you're, you're seeing this man daily. Uh, you're looking at him. I mean, when you think about it, I just brought up something that's, you know, it's, it's as much as the conversation as anything else when we talk about, you know, the, the salary cap and long term. I mean, in college, you don't negotiate anything as it relates to contracts and, and, and uh, you know, payment and, and, and going against the well, salary cap. Are you, are, you, are you still here with us, Henry? 
I lost you there for a minute. Okay. No, I, I'm saying that this, this whole salary cap thing of which, you know, now he's probably going to have his toughest offseason because he's going to have to make some personnel decisions. A lot of it's going to have to do with some eating some money, somehow being creative with the salary cap. I really think it is time for him just to take that hat off, give it to somebody else to be the GM, and, and, and really put his time and effort into being a football coach. I, I think that's the only way we keep him if he decides he'll be a football coach. I, uh, I, first of all, he has to uh, somebody, whether it be Chip Kelly or somebody that we have no idea what his name or her name is, is they have to uh, figure out what they're going to do with DeMarco Murray. That's a, that, that, that's a salary cap move right there. That's exactly what I'm saying. you got to eat some money. You know, you don't want to cancer in your locker room. Uh, you know, you again, you went out and, and thought you know pro football because you thought it was the same as college football, and it's a little bit different. And, and these are grown men that we're talking about here. So you already had one problem with the way you let Shady McCoy go last year. You thought that, was a, you know, that became a problem for you personally. Uh, so I, I just think we got some issues here. I just The only thing I care about, is, is the football team winning? Now, let me just say this. we got about three minutes to break. Uh, Keith, I'm going to ask you this question. Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie, obviously, is the man who, who is responsible. The bottom line is this is his football team. He made this decision. Does he eat, does he eat the contract of Chip and let Chip go? as a G- I, I mean, remember now, Chip's got two contracts. <laughs> He's a GM and a head coach. And, and there's money associated with both of them. I, God only knows how you split it when, you do, when he takes off one hat and just wears the other. But he's going to have to do some of that. Is, is Jeffrey Lurie, you know, is this man ready to also his ego, you know, put his ego aside to what's best for this football team and say, I've got to make a decision on Chip Kelly being one or the other or out of the door. Is, is, do you think that Jeffrey has decided that himself as well as the fans have and former players have, that it's time to make a change. I think Jeffrey has almost no choice. If Jeffrey truly wants to bring a Super Bowl contender here, he has to, to do this. He's got to take that GM title away from the coach, let him coach, bring in a GM, and then maybe reevaluate the coach to get to the ultimate goal. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, Mix is not going to do it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's a tough decision. Jeffrey's had some tough ones here to make in the past few years. Uh, you know, letting Andy go. I think Andy, we, I think we kind of knew the whole Andy thing. Andy needed a change for his own personal reasons, and we all know what that's about. So I, I'm not right. upset with that. Uh, but, but some of the personnel moves that have been made, uh, Jeffrey Lurie stuck with Michael Vick. We were happy about that. It, it still main, you know, we maintained a competitive edge within the division. We were okay with that. Uh, but then when Chip came in and Chip just made some wholesale changes, uh, the fans and former players are not happy with that. You know, we've always been in the hunt, and uh, this has been a little embarrassing. And what we're going to do, we're going to take a break, and uh, we're going to come back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Right, you hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. Things living like it matters. It matters to me. Merry Christmas. I'm a Christian man. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's not just a holiday. It is Christmas. I don't say, you know, when it's the 4th of July, I acknowledge the 4th of July. When it's Memorial Day, I acknowledge that. When it's Valentine's Day, I acknowledge that. When it's Easter, I acknowledge that. I'm going to acknowledge this is Christmas. The holiday, the new year, when it comes up, I'll say Happy New Year to you. So, uh, and it is, uh, this is my show, Rayella Sports, so I get to say what I want to say. So with that all being said, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. And uh, when it's time for New Year, I wish you that as well. But let me get back to some football. Okay, guys, I, I just got to say this. I want my friends here to enjoy this part of the show with me because we're, we're going to go and we're going to talk about, you know, some other guys on some other teams. Uh, and, and one of those teams, of course, is one of our rivals up the road, and that is the New York Giants. And, and I, I just have to spend some time talking about this. First of all, as a former defensive back in the National Football League, I will say this to every wide receiver out there, is the last thing you ever want to do in your life is to make a defensive back or a linebacker upset with you. Those are people who actually your life, Hood is basically in their hands and, and what decision they determine to make. Because, see, you are in a position where the quarterback has to throw you the ball. That's why they have this thing now called uh, a wide receiver who is um, perhaps maybe just um, he, he's, he's, he can't protect himself. He's an unprotected receiver. So they put this little rule in where you can't just destroy an unprotected receiver because they understand that could happen. So this young man, Odell Beckham, I appreciate his aggression, but as a professional, Mike Tyson used to say this, that he was trained to do something. For those people who are out there who don't understand, professional football players are trained to be aggressive. Do you understand that you can't even move before the whistle blows? You can't, you can't, you know, like you're going to, you know, if a mosquito was in your, uh, in your, got in your helmet and you're an offensive lineman, you try to get that mosquito. That's a, that's a illegal. You, you can't move. <laughs> you know, you, you can't move. Your, your hand can't be over the line. You're trained to do these things. People are trained to hit you real hard and to hit you when you're in a vulnerable position. I don't think that's the smartest thing in the world for Odell Beckham to be doing right now. Now, all it is, and I'm going to be honest, so I got to keep it real with you here. I, in 1986, playing for the Cleveland Browns, I asked the defensive coordinator if I could have one. And he said, one? I said, yeah, can I just have one? And he said, one what? I said, just one personal file. Just give me one because this is tight end over here. I got to let him know who I am. Yeah, he may not know my name, but he's going to know my name before the game is over with. I'd like him to know it at the very beginning. I'd like to introduce myself to him. Can I have one? So with that being said, guys, uh, and I'm going to start with, with you, Henry. I'm sure you saw the game. Then I'm going to get over there to Keith. I want to know what you thought of the antics you saw from Odell Beckham. And I, I'm not even going to set it up in any way whatsoever. I just want you to have an opportunity to express the words and, and, and the way you saw it as a, a man who uh, it's your job to cover this sport and um, something that you see, may have seen or never seen in all the years you've been covering. 
I'll say it one sentence. The National Football League does not like hot dogs that make the National Football League look bad. That's a good sentence. Because you're right. It's, the, it's all about the brand. It's, a, it's about the, the value and devaluing the brand. If you increase the brand, because <laughs> after all, they can say what they want to say. Cam Newton is supposed to be getting fined for those balls. He, I don't care if you hand them or you throw them or whatever. They, you're supposed to be getting, he's supposed to be getting fined. He has, he's become a, 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 I don't know, the face of the national football. Every child, every fan wants to be in the front row to get a football from Cam. So I agree with your, that brand is so important to them. And, and I, I, I understand that. I understand that. Keith, I'm going to ask you, you know, what do you, what'd you think as you were watching this play out on TV? Henry, you're absolutely right. No person is bigger than the game. And I don't understand why very early on both of them weren't ejected. Um, I mean, you could see this thing was, was brewing. It's like almost a hockey game, a hockey fight brewing. And uh, I think the officials have to take a little bit of the heat on that. Um, I give Coughlin credit for at least pulling his guy out to smack him outside the head to get himself back in the game. But it got out of control too fast. Well, I'll say this. You said Coughlin pulled him out. I'm going to say this. In my mind, I I don't think Coughlin or or the officials did their job because I really think that Tom Coughlin should, you know, there are times, and it's happened. I don't care, you know, how big you are. You know, there are times where players have been set down. You know, players have, players have been benched. You know, uh, the best players have, you know, have had, you know, problems with, with coaches. Um, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, back in the day when Jim Brown, <laughs> you know, when, when they wanted to say something to Jim, they didn't say anything to Jim. They said something to his running back teammate. As a matter of fact, on one of those documentaries, you'll see that. Uh, but you have to find a way to get the message across. And, and, and thing about it is also your players at all times have to be coachable. You, you've got to find a way to, to temper them down and to get them in and so that they are helping the team. When you're hurting the team, that's not good for this team, not just the brand, but certainly not good for this team. And the reason why you kept him on the field is because you ultimately your job is to win and you think you need him to win, but he's hurting your team. If you take those three personal fouls he had, one of them could have contributed to a score, which means you could have won the game. So, Henry, when you think when you think about three personal fouls, is that enough to get somebody ejected from a game? Although we don't have such a rule, I think this will set precedence and I think a rule will be established you're not going to get three personal fouls from this point on and, and stay in the game. As a matter of fact, you, you know, punching, sometimes you can get ejected, you know, for that. Well, can I, first of all, I'll ask both of you two gentlemen a question. And that question is, uh, would this have gotten the attention if it had happened in September? Or now that we're at the end of the season, everybody's talking about the postseason, the hype for the Super Bowl has already begun, and all of the playoffs, I'm sure the networks have the playoff games on each of their, uh, some way they're promoting that. The whole focus on the game of football, now college for the most part, uh, we, the Temple plays in a uh, bowl tonight, but for the most part, college football is dead and gone for the year. Um, and now the whole football world is aimed at the whole football world of viewers is aimed at the National Football League. Where back in August, first of all, people in August and September, people were many of them are out still enjoying the summertime, going to the beach, going to grandma's house, etc. But now it's cold, it's damp, it's December. People are now looking at the National Football League, and you cannot, in my opinion, have these kind of things going on now where it might have not gotten the attention that it would have gotten back in August or September. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this uh, um, on this, Henry. First of all, uh, Odell Beckham has become, again, one of the faces of the National Football League. It took him some time to build up from last season, see if it would carry over to this year. And so at this point in time, 
uh, you know, he is, you know, one of those marquee players in the National Football League. I think that's one reason that somebody else has said one of the big boy shows why he stayed in the game, because he may have been ejected if he was a special teams player or something like that. But then let me also go a bit further and say this. You know, nowadays, you know, with all this crazy, you know, social media and all that stuff, it's it's like, you know, a gazillion times the amount of attention that it's getting because it, it's not just being put out there by the outlets, but it's being put out there by the individuals who have become media themselves. And, and, and so and so, yeah, for those reasons, I think it's added to it. But I don't I'm not going to take anything away from who he was, who he is, what what team he plays for. That's the media capital of the world, the New York Giants. He was playing against an undefeated team trying to, uh, you know, to to beat them for the first time. Uh, and he, he I mean, he, he's, he's somebody that's needed. So I, I think that it's got the amount of attention it deserves. Um you know, on a big boy show earlier, I heard some people saying, you know, this stuff happens all the time. I don't know the last time I saw a person in one game get three personal fouls. I don't know if I've ever yeah. seen that. You know, it keep my brain, that magnitude, uh, whether it's September, October, or November, without it really should, like I said, it has to come to the attention of the officials. And and Ray, you were right. I mean, the coach, every coach knows the level of his player before he steps on the field. He knows whether that guy is like too over the edge or right on or just not ready. So that uh, yeah, the Giants they knew they're letting the time bomb out there. Yeah, right? yeah, I, I I agree there, Henry. But 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 Henry, I mean I I agree there when I doubt Keith. And uh, so Henry, you, you you know again, winning has a lot to do with this. If this was a game, you know, I, and I I applaud Roger Goodell for one thing he's done is the way he's manipulated that schedule. And you don't have games anymore unless you've got a team like, you know, Carolina and, and, and Cam just have them on a roll where this game, these games don't matter to them now because they've already clinched everything they need to clinch. He's done an excellent job of making games matter this time of year. And, so, and so because of that, if this game didn't matter – Again, I think Tom Coughlin sits him on the bench. I mean, I, I know this man, you know, too well. I've known him for years. When he first came in the National Football League, uh, he was brought in to teach Mike Quick to how to become one of the best wide receivers in, in the National Football League, and he was very good at that. Uh, this is a, a, a very this is a, a disciplined man. Uh, that's the kind of person he is. That's the kind of coach he is. And this is, as everybody says, what was on display was against everything he believes in. And yeah. so because of that, um, I just find that, a, you know, a little surprising. Uh, but, again, I think he wants to win at all costs. And I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year, Henry, and I'm going to ask you and then we're going to take a break. If Coughlin and reflecting on coming back, if this play, what happened, that played out on the field, doesn't affect his decision to come back. What do you think well, about did that? I say, didn't I say to you the last time, I don't think he's, I, I think he's going to pack it in? I think he is. Yeah. Now this, um, uh, that's as you said, just another nail in the coffin. And, and it didn't help to have Herman Edwards on TV a couple of weeks ago saying it's not about you. It's you know it's not about you. You know it, it, this is about the game. You know this isn't about the individual. It's about a team. And I think Odell just took those things uh, personally, and, and everything became about him. So. Um, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break now. They say, I got a minute, but we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back. And uh, there's four very good quarterbacks in the National Football League. We're going to talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, and see who Keith thinks is the best quarterback in the National Football League. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And we'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports all right you hear that music you know the show you're listening to rail sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters merry christmas everybody merry christmas i don't need to say anything else that says it all what i do want to say is please all of those out there, do you get a chance? Please go see the movie Concussion. We are spent the last hour talking about a sport called football. It's a very physical sport. Uh, a lot of big, fast men play this game. And in some places, women play this game. I will tell you this. My personal perspective from my own experience is if I had to play this game again, would I play it again? I would tell you yes before I've seen the movie. But I will say this, the movie's not going to change my mind about if I would play the game again, but the movie is going to confirm some things that I believe, I'm sure, because for what I've been told, the movie's probably 85 to 90% true and the rest of it is, you know, added entertainment. But the fact of the matter is, it's a physical game, but still, if somebody tells you something and gives you some information, you then have the right and the ability to do things differently. And, and all those people who say they would play the game the same way, that's a lie because let me tell you this. Any man that you ever see on a football field playing a game, once that man is injured, once he has pain and it's obvious he's in pain, he adjusts the way he plays the game. So if your mind is injured, if your brain is somehow injured, and you're aware of it, you're going to change the way. You know what? how I changed it when they told me? <laughs> I quit. It was it. Once Dr. Jennifer Chu at Pennsylvania Hospital told me that she would never recommend that I play football again, uh, Lords of London got their call from me, or certainly my attorney working on it. it. took them too damn long, too. So go see the movie, get the information that you can, and then make an informed decision. Because all those guys before who said they would have played and they, and they knew, how the hell could they know if the doctors didn't even know? See, that's my problem, too. I want to share this on the air, too. See, I have a problem. My problem is that everybody says the NFL knew. Well, I want to know. How the hell did they know? Who told them? Because the person that told them should have been telling the patient. The patient was the player. They never told me. That's all I want to say. Okay, hey, hey guys, let me just move on now. I, I, I got a couple things here that's brewing here. Now, there's some facts out there. I, I think Steven Jackson is coming back. I think the Patriots picked him up. And, and I read something, heard something on one of the big boy shows. I read an article. And, and they were talking about, you know, I was doing, doing some of my research. And they were saying that Steven Jackson... Is the all-time leading rusher for the Rams. The all-time leading rusher. Now, I don't know if you people, everybody's old enough to remember. But there was a man named Eric Dickerson that one time played for the Rams. And for those of you who are a little bit younger than those who may remember Eric Dickerson, there was also a man by the name of Marshall Falk who played for the Rams. Steven Jackson is the all-time leading rusher for the Rams. I say that because sometimes numbers themselves don't tell the whole story. I don't know if I, it's going to be a long time before I flip a couple coins before I'm taking Steven Jackson over Marshall Falk. 
or Steven Jackson over Eric Dickerson, but he's the all-time leading rusher. I say that only because we got some quarterback ratings going on here in the National Football League that have some guys ahead of others. Now, the four men that I'm talking about, Carson Palmer, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and, of course, Cam. Cam Newton. Now, now Henry, I'm going to give you a chance. I, I, I kind of set that up a little bit, you know, statistics, and then you got results. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I'm going to give you two quick things. One about the general managership of the Eagles. I'm going to show you how New England has the people who go out and find players and maybe uh, have a little bit left in the tank and bring them in when they need them in December. And you don't get that kind of uh, organization overnight. Uh, <clears throat> hey, hey, it's taking a shot at Mr. Kelly. Now, your <laughs> second question is uh, about those four quarterbacks. Yes, sir. Who's the best? All right. Who, who's the MVP of the league this year? Who's the MVP of the league this year? Yes, sir. Cam uh, Newton, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Carson Palmer? Is of, it, of those four, I would have to say uh, uh, Cam Newton. Okay, and so let me ask you this. Was that a difficult decision for you to make at this time of the season right now? Did you really have to dwell on that, or had you already made your mind up? After I saw him play the Eagles, no. Okay, all right. Well, hey, sometimes you have to have that performance where, as Beyonce just drops the mic, and it, 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 it answers everything for you. Yeah, but when you when you get a piece of turkey put on a plate and put in front of you, don't you know there's turkey there? Hey, that's it. But then again, but you got to think about it too. You know, it was turkey, but did a turkey deliver the turkey? I mean, that was the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that's the team I love. <laughs> that's the team that paid me. They gave me a chance. But you know, sometimes we got to consider, you know, who the foe is. You know, and so Keith, let me ask you: those four quarterbacks, you're familiar with them. Uh, as a matter of fact, you got a chance to see uh, Tom Brady uh, up close. You got a chance to see Carson Palmer up close. I think we missed the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks this year. But what do you think? As a player, although uh, um, the, the Panthers are having a good year as a, as a team, I'm going to go with Palmer because it's the player to me that has done a lot to just kind of bring out his team. Um, I see Palmer almost like Tom Brady. Whereas Cam is, it's Cam and he's, happy, he's fortunate that all the other pieces are falling into place. I don't think he's molding them into place the way Brady and Palmer are. I think they just kind of fell into place. Good point. I'm, I'm going to dispute both of you guys. I'm glad you said good point on that because that means you agree with him, Henry. Let me say this. There was a statistic that was mentioned the other day during the game. First of all, let me shout out to them Buckeyes out there. Philly Brown and my man Ted Ginn Jr. making Cam look good. But Cam is also making Ted Ginn look good. Ted Ginn, I think, prior to this year, had, I think, six touchdowns through his entire career. You know, you know since he's been with Cam, he's had 19 touchdowns. See, Cam, I believe Cam is making these men because he's trusting in these men. He's throwing the ball. I saw Ted Ginn drop a ball. Cam turns right around the next play and throws the ball right back to him. So I'm, I'm going to say like a great player does, he makes those players around him better. Remember, Cam had probably a Hall of Famer, without a doubt in my mind, Steve Smith, on the team. For some reason or another, they decided to let Steve go. Didn't have Ted Ginn at that time. Let him go. And, and so Cam has been building this team, and basically they've been riding his shoulders. He's been throwing for 3,000 yards the last four years, you know, without really getting this team. He's been putting the pieces to the puzzle together. I will give uh, one thing about it, Carson Palmer. I'm not going to give him too much credit because you got a Hall of Famer. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't drop passes. You just, I mean, the ball, it, you know, it's almost like he's got Odell Beckham kind of hands. Or I should, no, I'm sorry. Odell Beckham has Larry Fitzgerald kind of hands. Sorry, there. Let me give that to the senior person there. After all, he's achieved it, been doing it for years. So I, I would just say that. And so I, I'm not going to necessarily jump on that bandwagon. Russell Wilson, I will say, you know, Russell Wilson, again, three years in a row, he's playing, you know, Super Bowl football. So it makes you think about what he did in the past. And certainly he's got that, that attitude, Henry, because he hasn't given up. Tom Brady is just Tom. Those two games Tom lost, that was unlike Tom 
We didn't expect that, but Tom has been steady, so we haven't seen anything that's really spectacular. Tom's already gone 14, 15, 16, you know, 15, I think, and 0. So I, I just got to give it to Cam, guys. He's done things that we've never seen before. Henry, we've never seen these things Cam is doing before. How can you not give him the most valuable player in the league when he's done something that the league has been around and no man's ever done before? I said it was a good point, but I didn't say that I was not going to vote for Mr. Uh, Newton. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I just I got to take a shot. Okay, you got one. You got thirty seconds to take this shot. Okay, my thirty second is uh, you will be drinking uh, green beer real soon. Green, green beer? That, 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 is that piss? <laughs> what is green? What is green? <laughs> when, Ohio play, when Ohio plays Notre Dame. Oh, boy, here we go. Okay, all right. I'm going to let that one go, but we're going to save that for another show. Keith, you got about 15 seconds. There's one you want to get in on, Cam, or you, you're you going to give your – who would you say you give him? The, the Carson? You want to change your mind on that one? No, I think Cam's going to end up going to have a, have a 16-0 season. I think he's uh, he's deserved it. It's good to see somebody else other than the wing wing get that uh, get that mantle. I'll tell I don't you, know if he's going to go twenty and zero though. Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys. Here's what I like to do. Uh, I would take a loss now for a Super Bowl victory, and I bet you can. Cam would like to go undefeated throughout the entire time, but he if he's going to lose any time, he prefer to lose now than lose in the yeah, playoffs, and, and that would tarnish him. So I would say if you're going to lose, let him lose now and go on to win the Super Bowl. Hey, I want to thank both you guys for calling in. Really enjoyed, always enjoy when you guys call into the show. Merry Christmas to you both. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to all to those you, out friend. there in the world listening to the show. I thank you so much. As you know, it's that time, so I have to go. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Merry Christmas, everybody. you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.